1: This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Look, setting the Pace with Alex and Fauci, Alex and Fauci, Alex and Alex, if I put that jacks in the paint, how you gonna stop me, how you gonna stop me? We can go head to head, call out your top three, call out your top Look at the switch from Buddy Hill. Not that boy got three. We got Holly Burton run the point. This is a Benedict for the shot. If anybody gon' come in the post, then we got Miles Turner for the plot. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Smooth. All right, Pachi, we are back with our top five. I'm curious, who do you have at numero cinco?
2: All right, at cinco. I got the man and who plays the Cinco. It's Miles Turner. Ooh, and okay. Turner, 27 years old, under contract for two more years, very much in or entering his prime. He's coming off of a career year, and the next two years, they're team-friendly, so you got to love that. Look, he was awesome last year, and I think he can be even better this year. If Turner continues to thrive in Indiana over the next two seasons – Who's to say that they won't reup him once more? Because he's the longest tenured pacer, and he's at a position where there ain't nobody behind him knocking, you know, knocking on his door for, uh, you know, heating it up to say, "Hey, you got some competition." So, I think that this is Turner's, you know, complete spot. There is no competition at the five, and I think that the Pacers' core could very well be entering their prime just when his contract's coming up. A lot of those players, like a Halliburton, will then be, you know, twenty-five years old. Jarris Walker will be, say, you know, 21, 22. Benedict Matherman is going to be 23 years old. Andrew Nammar will be 25. It's like everyone's going to be entering their prime. So Turner could very well, if things go well, maybe be re-upped two years from now. But regardless, you got him under contract for two more years. I love what I saw last year.
1: Yeah, this is tough. I have him a little bit higher, Fachi. I'm not going to okay. lie. So at number right. five, I've got the rook, Jarris Walker. Okay. And I think he is actually number five now, isn't he?
0: He is. is it? Okay, so yep. I'm going
1: with the Jersey number here. I'm, I'm kind of thrown off because he was one and then changed it. So Jairus Walker, number five, and this was a tough one for me because I'm high on Jairus Walker as a potential guy, but at the same time, you have to realize the Pacers almost traded this pick for a player that would help them win right now. I think Jairus Walker is going to help them right away be a win-now type of player. So I'm very excited about his future. I want to see if he can develop that three-point shot. There's still a lot of question marks with him because we've yet to see him play in the league. You don't take a guy eighth overall that you think is not going to fit with your team long-term, so that's the ultimate goal. But look what just happened with Obi Toppin, who was taken. uh, Was he taken eighth overall, too, by the Knicks? He was, yep. And just four years later or three years later, he's traded in that next summer. uh, And that summer, when he's only getting two second-round picks back. So it's like your expectations for Jairus Walker are pretty high especially since the Pacers have needed a long-term forward uh, that's defensive minded. So I think that he's going to be fine. I'm not saying that, but I just feel like the guys above him have proven themselves a little bit more. And I think that they helped contribute to winning right away a little bit more too. So Jairus Walker, very good player uh, in, in college, very good player in high school, very good team friendly person based on everything we've heard about the stuff he did giving his NLI money to guys that were walk-ons and, didn't get that opportunity. So just a classic human being really like Jairus Walker. I think he's going to be a great fit for this team. I just wonder, are we 100% sure he's going to be a long-term starter or just a, a role player on this team? And that's where I just have a little bit of hesitancy saying that he's going to be more impactful than guys above him. So I'm curious who you have a number four, maybe it is Jairus, maybe it's somebody else, but I get the contract part with Turner, why you had him at five, and I think that played a heavy factor into it. So I don't blame you, knowing Jairus can be under team control for the next seven to eight years. So that does make a lot of sense. But at the same time, for me, I have Turner higher because I think he's more important to this team's success.
2: Oh, very important to team success, you know, short term. We've got to have him there long term. And obviously that, that does tip the scale of why I have Jairus Walker, you know, because he's going to be there for me. Many more years, you know, most likely, unless the Patriots trade him. But anyway, uh, next on my list, this is tough. I got Andrew Nemhart at four. Okay,
1: I have Nembhardt at four, too, so okay. we're in the same so, boat here.
2: Here's the thing. Look, I truly believe Nemhart could very well be a starting point guard for numerous teams. He could also be a starting shooting guard for plenty of teams as well. He could score. He could defend. He could play. He can make plays. He could protect the rock. He can knock down threes. He's just 23 years old, yet he's seasoned far more seasoned than most second-year players. I think he could also be a really good six-man candidate for uh, the Pacers or whoever. Whatever role he's asked to play, I think he can play it well. Still under contract for three more years. At the end of the day, there's always going to be Tyrese Halliburton in front yeah. of him. And yeah. I and I think that Nemhard on that contract is ex- extremely appealing in any trade scenario for the Pacers and I I love what he brings to the table but I don't think that this is like a hey we're grooming this guy to be the starting point guard long term it's like he is an extremely valuable asset for the Pacers I love having him on the court but is he going to still play the same you know 60 starts that he did last year Uh, I don't know about that but I think long term it's nice to have him under contract for three more years will he be a Pacer three years from now I don't know. It depends who the Pacers are able to potentially land as a big fish, I would say.
1: Yeah. You you took the words right out of my mouth when you talked about Halliburton's always going to be there. And mm-hmm. that's the problem here with Andrew Nimhard. If you have any problem, it's just that there's just not enough opportunity potentially for him to run that, you know, first unit as the point guard. He's great backup point guard. I mean, Maybe the case could be made that he's the best backup point guard in the league. I think he's going to have to go out and earn that this year if that's the role that he's given. But we we are very high on Andrew Nimhard, and maybe being that we cover the Pacers, we do think a little bit higher up him than maybe other teams do, other people around the league do, just because we see him more than than they do. And he's had some huge moments, like the the game winner against the Lakers, the game against Golden State on the road. Like He definitely had that little moment where he kind of put himself on the map And I think there's a lot of teams looking out to see, could he be available? What he did in Summer League was fantastic. He came in there, ran the show, and was just like well uh, experienced beyond his years for just being one year in the league. And and, I mean, you can just tell. The year that he had in the NBA, he really developed. I hate that there's not enough opportunities potentially for him to be in that starting lineup because you know how high high I am on him. I love Andrew Nimhard. But the contract, like you said, it's not like the Pacers have team control after it. So he could get up and leave and you have to wonder, does he feel a little bit frustrated with his role playing a little bit of a lesser role? Does he want to let the opportunity occur where he holds himself back by re-upping with the Pacers instead of going out there and seeking a spot where he could be a, a starting point guard somewhere else? Because we do believe that he has that in him. And and that's the big question mark here. It's like, you want to keep him here as, you know, as long term as you can, but at some point he's going to have to make a decision to bet on himself. And if he wants to be here, be the sixth man, be this great Indiana Pacer for a long time, you know, more, you know, more power to him and, and kudos to him for doing that. But if he realizes, okay, let's say for example, Toronto's got an opening at their point guard position and they give him a pretty heavy contract. Pacers probably won't be able to match that money or the opportunity playing time wise. So, that's why the long-term part stinks a little bit with Andrew, but I think at least for the next three years, you feel pretty confident that he's going to be an integral part of this team. And if not, you mentioned it, a very important trade chip.
2: Oof, man, it's it's a good problem to have. Is like you want to have as much talent as you possibly can. Andrew Nemhart, I mean, what we saw in summer league, man, he looked fantastic. I can't wait to see. What happens this year? But the better he plays, the more appealing he's going to be for every other team out there. And we'll we'll see what happens from there. But it, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I mean, making just about two million dollars for each of the next three years in a time where at one point Halburn's worth every penny. But it's going to be a scenario where Halliburton's making you know thirty-five million dollars and Emar's making two, and it's like they're both extremely talented, and it's it's going to get tough tough to know hey could you one day end up paying Nembhard if he reaches that full potential I don't know but regardless he's both inside our top four so that says a lot for yeah. a guy that was picked 31st overall so number three on my list is Jairus Walker now well, I figured. Jairus is 19 years old he's you have to play in a regular season game, but we very much know why the Pacers selected him. His defensive intangibles, his high upside, it, it's there, it's real. There's there's a big hole at the four spot, and we're hoping that Jared Walker, Obi Toppin, at least one of them can fill it. But Jarrus has an opportunity to, to be a, a cornerstone for the Pacers, and his d- high defensive upside that I mentioned, it's also his rebounding potential, his playmaking capabilities. It's far past his years. The common comparison, and we've heard a zillion times, can he be our Draymond Green-type glue (laughs) player for years to come? And I think it's unfair to say, you know, oh, yeah, everyone's looking for the Draymond. We heard Jeremy Sohan and plenty other guys over the last few years. He's the Draymond of the draft. But at the same point, for Jarris Walker, he has so much potential that obviously the Pacers have him under contract for, you know, four years. If they re-up them, it could end up being eight years. And I think that that is something that very much is vital to this core. And uh Jarris Walker, look, I think rookie year, it's going to be a mixed bag. I think we're going to see some games where he looks awesome. We're going to see some games where we go, well, he's just 19 years old. <laughs> but over the next few years, I think that he has the capability to be a very special player. But you brought up a good point before. You ever take a look at the the list of previous eighth overall draft picks, It's not a it's not a fun list. <laughs> i mean there's uh there has not been an all-star picked eighth overall in a long time franz wagner i, I think could end up being the guy that yeah. breaks that list and then there's all of a sudden it comes down to could jarris walker or obi Toppin, ever be that guy but there's a lot of uh guys that never reach their potential at eighth overall which sounds crazy because it's still a really good pick but yeah. there is a major drop off where you're not getting really franchise level players at eighth overall We hope that uh, Jairus Walker says something otherwise about that list.
1: No, I totally agree. And I'm not wishing anything bad on him. But history usually does repeat itself. And it does give you a little bit of a sample size of what to bet on. Now, you just never know. Because, guys, everything I think is determined based on where you get drafted to and the opportunity you have and stuff like that. So we'll see. I mean, the Pacers are wanting to win right away. Does that hurt his minutes long term if he struggles a little bit? I mean, there is that side of it too. So knowing that you can play Nice without the foursome if you're trying to win, it just you just don't really know how Carlisle is going to utilize Jairus Walker right away. But I think we're all pretty excited about him being a long-term fit here because of that defensive upside. But that's why I have Miles Turner at number three, because yes, he's only under contract for two years. Yes, it does make him a little bit more tradable than maybe last year w- when he was on that expiring and it felt like he was in every trade rumor. But I'll just say this I think that Miles Turner, I-, I talked about Bruce Brown, his success with this team might be the most important. I think Miles Turner's got to be in that conversation too. We talked about different players that we think is going to help us get to the playoffs and doing like a top five list of the most important for this team to get there. I think Miles Turner, we both had him in our top five. Miles Turner. Mm-hmm. Had a career year last year. We gotta, we gotta hope that it wasn't a fluke. We gotta hope that Miles is still mo- more motivated than ever to prove that he is a guy that belongs here long term. He loves this city, and he's been nothing but loyal to the Indiana Pacers despite numerous trade rumors, numerous uncertainty, uh, not loving the role that he's playing, playing next to Demonte Sabonis, being more of a four than he is a five, and. I just feel like with Tyrese Halliburton, like their connection together was something special last year. Miles has talked about it on a different podcast, how how Tyrese has been such a good player for him. And I want to say it was Caitlin Cooper who brought it up. Like, just look at the two-point percentage for Miles Turner with Tyrese Halliburton assisting to him. It's through the roof. And Turner was not really known for that two-point percentage being very high. So I just feel like with his rim protection, the team trying to get better on defense, not having any real long-term answers at center, getting a guy that I think we would all say is a top 10 center in this league without question, you don't let guys like that go. And no matter how difficult of a conversation it is when we had Sabonis and Turner debates for years and years and years, the decision's made. We got our point guard, and now we've got our long-term center. Don't mess this up. I think that Yeah, he could still be traded. You never know what's going to happen. But I think if he develops and really continues to shine in these next two years under that contract, you got to extend him one more time and let it be three to four years, whatever you need it to be. But I think that, like you said, when Halliburton hits his prime at 25, Turner at 30 is not too old to be with this team when they make that run. I think a lot of players around 30 to 34 is like when they're in like the I'm in it to win it for a championship type of prime. And I think Miles could be a part of this team when they try to make deep playoff runs. I I, I truly believe that his rim protection and his scoring ability, especially the versatility he showed last year, is going to be incredibly important for this team moving forward.
2: It really will be. And I just love the fact that Turner's going into this offseason healthy. It's just it, it's allowing him to be able to not only duplicate what he did last year, but potentially have an even better year. And here's the thing, to your point that you mentioned before, look, if the Pacers are winning, they're not going to just remove Turner from the scenario and say, well, what do we do at center now? It's just like it makes it a lot easier to say, keep this team together. So I think that's going to be a big thing that weighs in. Or where are the Pacers from a winning standpoint two years from now, when, you know, when Turner is you know heading towards free agency again? If the Pacers are not in a good shape and they don't know if he's going to re-sign, then, yeah, anything could happen. But I think that the Pacers are winning. They're not going to want to remove him from the scenario because then you're, you're to an extent, taking a, a big step back. You don't want to say starting over, but you can't just find centers in the NBA like this. Like, what Miles Turner does is a very unique skill set that, that you cannot just find in free agency or make a move. for. We, we've seen a lot of, like, you know, when they oh, – like a, a Nurkic or anything like that. Nurkic feels like a dinosaur. I feel like <laughs> at, at times, and and it's like, come on, you like what Turner's bringing to the table from a you know an offensive uh, rim protection standpoint, being able to hit threes, it's just fantastic. So yeah. I, I'm with you in that. Uh, you got him at three. Yeah, I had who, him at five. I will. I will
1: just say this: we've gone a long ways from like wondering if Turner can hang with the Martian Gortats of the
2: league, because
1: <laughs> you know, there was I'll times when Gortat back. just kind of punked him. Sometimes, like, let's be oh, honest. Big- uh yeah. I mean, Gortat was kind of nasty man I kind of like Gortat they're not gonna lie it was a fun player uh the, the hate but he had some nasty dunks that you just never saw coming and some nasty moving screens that never got called and you know Turner <laughs> had to deal with that physical I mean that was one of the things with Turner early on was just like he could not handle the physicality and he even talked about yeah. that on the podcast like mm-hmm, he did just like uh open about it which I really appreciated that he was like you know he's like I had guys tell me I was soft and other players telling him that you know fans were saying it here we talked about it a little bit and i know we we can't say that word anymore but even turner brought that up you know he said i'm not soft he's like i like that physicality and i like playing back but it's just like you didn't see it a lot so I- i'm glad that we saw it last year and i and i'm i've been praising turner quite a bit so if anybody's still mad at me for it i'm in good grief just let it go but uh we've got our top two now it's the same i would be completely shocked if one of us didn't have in two. but do you have Mathurin too, Foch?
2: Here's the first thing I want to say because I want to touch on your point before. Okay. One of the biggest moments for Miles Turner changing was standing up to Rudy Gobert. When they got in that tussle, That's that true. was a moment because that felt like that, like a rivalry between the two of them, where Gobert had been getting the best of Turner and then winning defensive player of the year awards and all of that stuff. So it felt like Gobert was the measuring stick. Seeing Miles not be soft and step up to bear and the Pacers actually ended up getting that win that night. That was awesome. So that was a key moment. But at number two, no surprise, I got Benedict Matherin. Look, okay. Matherin just turned 21 about a month ago. He's got a lot on his shoulders, but it feels like he could, he's he got the confidence to be able to manage it. Like, if the Pacers are truly going to hit their ceiling, and they got a high ceiling with this team. Matherin is one of the guys that has the highest ceiling and needs to be the go-to scorer of this team. What he does best is score. He gets baskets. He gets to the free throw line. He, he's like an assassin out there. But he needs to be the second best player to Tyrese Halliburton. And I think that the Pacers should very much view Halliburton and Mathurin as the two untouchables on this roster for years to come. Those need to be the building blocks for this franchise And I think that Benedict Matherin is the kind of guy that has the work ethic and the confidence to be able to take on that role. And I love the fact that Halbert even said, we've addressed it before, you know, on Paul George's podcast saying like, hey, like we're going to be doing this for years and years to come. We got to be on the same page. There was times that Matherin was mad. Maybe I wasn't getting the ball enough. I got to be able to know, you know, be in sync with him at all times. And I love that. I think Chad
1: Buchanan said it best when he was doing the NBA TV Maybe it was ESPN, but he was interviewed during summer league and he was Mm -hmm. talking about Matherin and like what he needs to do to take those next steps. And one of the things that he talked about was like, Matherin's like the only guy that we feel like has that in it, in him to like take that next step and be that kind of, you know, that dog, right. That, that real player that you think can take that next step. And what's really interesting is I was actually listening to the game theory podcast from this past week, Sam Vecini. Had on Adam Spinella. And one of the questions was, Can Benedict Matherin become an all star? And they both said, I would not bet on him becoming an all star, but he has Mm -hmm. a capability to do it. And they said he's going to have to improve and change a lot of things to get there. But right now, I just don't envision that being the pathway for him. But he's a really good NBA player. And so that kind of made me a little bit hesitant on what, you know, great draft evaluators think about him because they were high on him in the draft, but like they said, they really just didn't like the last like 50 plus games from him last year. And I can kind of attest to that because it was very predictable, very inconsistent shooting, not a lot of good defense, no playmaking for others. Like he's got a lot of room to improve, but I think if he can hit the ceiling for who he is as a player, this is an all-star level guy. He's got the talent he's got the will to be that But can he put it all together? And that's the biggest question mark, because you talked about it. We want him to be an untouchable for years to come. But if in two years, we're looking at Matherin as kind of like the same player, then you probably start talking about trading him. And I know that sounds crazy, but if he doesn't make significant improvements over the next two seasons entering year four for him, then you got to think, okay, is he really the guy that we think he was when we drafted him? in 2021. So 2022, excuse me. So I, I like Benedict Matherin. I loved what he did last year. I think that he can get to all-star potential. I don't know if he'll ever become an all-star. I don't want to put a cap on who he can become, but I do think he's going to have to really improve on a lot of things. And I would love to see that from him. I'm hoping that he is what you said, an untouchable for years to come. I do have a little bit of fear in the back of my mind that he doesn't develop More skills in terms of like the screen navigation, the playmaking, the shooting, because the shooting was so bad last year, like after the first couple months, it was just like, What are we shooting? It is just like I don't understand. Like he needs to get with a shooting coach, maybe to fix some things and just tweak his shot a little bit. I don't know, but I like Benedict Matherin. I'm excited to see what he can become. That's why I had him number one on my list of like most important players on this roster for us making the playoffs this year because I think that his growth is the most important for this team succeeding. So I I just want to see Matherin take those steps because I love Benedict Matherin. I want to see him do well. I want to see him retire a pacer. I don't want to see him become a journeyman that's still trying to figure out how he belongs in the league. I want him to. I want him to be a successful Indiana pacer That's why I have him at two because the ceiling is through the roof, and he's a guy that you drafted to be, like you said, Halliburton's running mate for years and years to come.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, when push came to shove, I bought the Matherin jersey over the Halliburton jersey, and I still Whoa. think about that decision. I exactly. I still have to go, man. I don't know. <laughs> Because it's like Mather in the beginning of the year. He Why you some... just sound like Tim Taylor <laughs> <from> the <laughs> just... home improvement? <laughs> I, I, yeah, it's like I, I was just making noises. It's just like when you think of like, did I make the right decision? Mm-hmm. But, you know, yeah, exactly. that was a good one. Um, <laughs> for Mather, it's just like the the potential is there for him to be just an unbelievable scorer. But he has to be more than just a scorer for this team to reach you know, their, their definition of success or true success. So with that, I mean, we're both in agreement. Hey, we got him at number two that leaves the franchise himself at number one, just 23 years old Tyrese Halliburton. It starts and stops with him. A car cannot run without its engine. And he is the engine that makes this car go. He truly sets the pace in the style that they want to play. I love it. And, that's that's how they're building the team around him and the style that he wants to play. And this we you and I, I mean, I brought this up so many times. We were banging at the table. We need a true point guard, but they just don't grow on trees. Where can you find one? And the Pacers found the best possible true point guard that they could find. And it, it comes when it comes down to young point guards, he's number one. Now, when you talk about best point guards, he's in that class. He'll be he'll be on the national scene this year. He made it as an all-star. I think that that was huge. Now I think this is the year that Tyrese Halliburton can really get that attention of, whoa, this is one of the best point guards in the game. And having him on this team is going to make everybody around him be able to reach their potential. If you can't reach your potential with Tyrese Halliburton, then maybe maybe it's you, you know, because he's going to get everybody the rock. You can count on that.
1: Yeah, no, Tyrese is like the – this is the easiest number one I've ever put down in my life. Uh, Got the max extension. He's the face of the franchise. He's the connector that gets everybody involved. He's a recruiter for the team. He is the Pacers face, man. Like, this is who Mm -hmm. he is. So, yeah, I mean, you said it best. There's not really a whole lot to say on Tyrese other than he's the most important. Like, this team goes as far as he does. And, you know, we love Tyrese Halliburton. We think that he's got all-star uh, many all-star appearances up his sleeve you know he's gonna be hopefully an all-nba guy maybe even next year that'd be an awesome goal gonna end up leading the franchise and assist we know that i mean maybe not overall assist depending on how everything plays out but at least assists for the most in the season i, I just hope Tyrese retires a pacer at this point i know that he's only been here for a year and a half but he just feels like a guy that loves indiana loves the midwest wants to bring a title here Really embraces this, knows what he's getting into, just seems a totally different type of vibe than we've ever felt before. It feels way similar to Reggie Miller than it did to a Paul George, a guy that always had wondering eyes for the Californias where he's from. You know, Reggie from California never got there, but Tyrese just really seems to embrace this city, this. Organization, this franchise as his team, and he's putting on putting them on their back, and he's bearing all of the weight and the responsibility that it takes to be a franchise player, and he's handling it with such class and such dignity. So I love everything about it. I'm I'm just excited to see how much better he gets because we know that he's got great work ethic. Work ethic. He's in, in, uh, improved upon his weightlifting. He's talked about that. Uh, he wants to get bigger to be able to be a better defender. I just want to see what steps he's going to take because if he's as good as he was last year, just imagine him getting better and better and better. Like we might end up having the best point guard in the entire NBA on our roster in a couple of years, Flachi. And believe it. I'm just saying, like, I'm not even trying to be like hyperbolic here by saying that. I'm just saying this is a guy that has that potential. So we are in a great spot as a franchise, knowing that this is the face of our franchise. You probably need Another two-way guy by him that can be lights out, like we talked about. Hopefully it's Matherin. If it's not, hopefully you can find that guy because I think Halliburton is going to recruit players here that we have yet see recruited here before. This is his first real summer doing it. He got Bruce Brown. Uh, you know, I'm not sure how much he had an impact on Obi Toppin, but I know that he really liked him. So I'm sure that the front office knew that he really liked him too. So I'm just saying you get two quality starters probably on this team. And one in his first real offseason recruiting i think that there's a chance we might see him recruit a,
2: a bigger name or two in his career here at indiana oh man you give him enough time he's gonna catch that big fish definitely <laughs> I, I feel like we have not had a real recruiter in a while but it's different to say oh, this guy can recruit his friends or this guy can get you paid and especially what if it's even the guys that might take a one-year deal to get their value up to get paid Tyrese Halliburton can absolutely get you the bag but one thing that I love about him is how much he loves the game that is not in, in debate he's not one of those players that's like well you know I don't know sometimes he's got this or we don't know how much he he's gonna bring it every night it's like no he's a basketball junkie he knows everything he needs to improve upon and then he also really knows a lot of players' games, their strengths, their tendencies. I just feel like this is someone who's weighed in on the options that, you know, you mentioned about Obi Toppin. Like, they talked about having that connection of being friends since 2020. I'm sure he was in the front office's ears about, hey, look, if you have a chance, to go with Obi Toppin. Please do it. Talked about before how he really liked, you know, Benedict Matherin in the past. and And you obviously touched on Bruce Brown. And there's going to be many others. Him representing us. For Team USA, is massive. So there isn't a better guy that you could ask to be leading this franchise right now. Model citizen, fantastic player on and off the court. And uh, I just can't wait to see, you know, the growth of Tyrese Halliburton because the, the step he took from year two to year three, massive. I mm. want to see what he has next in store. Totally agree, Fachi. So go
1: ahead and give me your rundown of your list all the way from 15 to number one.
2: All right. At number 15, we have the less enticing one, Daniel Tice. (laughs) Then at number 14, we have Jordan Wara. At number 13, we have TJ McConnell. At number 12, Isaiah Jackson. Number 11, Jalen Smith. Number 10, Ben Shepard. Number 9, Buddy Heald. Number 8, Aaron Neesmith. Number 7, Bruce Brown. Number 6, Obi Toppin. Number 5, Miles Turner number four, Andrew Nemhard. number three, Jarris Walker, number two, Benedict Matherin, and lastly, number one,
1: Tyrese Albert. I love it. I'm going to go through mine real quick. At number 15, we got Daniel Tice, 14, Jordan Mora, 13, Ben Shepard, number 12, T.J. McConnell, number 11, Jalen Smith, number 10, Buddy Heald, number nine, Isaiah Jackson, number eight, Aaron Neesmith, number seven, Obi Toppin. At six, we got Bruce Brown Jr., Five Jairus Walker, four Andrew Nimhard, and rounding out our top three, we have Miles Turner, number three; Benedict Matherin, number two; and Tyrese Halliburton, number one.
2: Faji. go ahead and let the people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at Setting the Pace Three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore facci. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. Alex tell them where they can check us out on youtube
1: ladies and gentlemen go to youtube.com slash setting the pace of pacers podcast where you can find all of our latest video content and if you haven't already leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcast but Focci, if you're excited for the month of august to get here and we can talk more about this pacers team then hit me with those three words let's go pacers setting the pace going to the and the pace going to the top this is your number 1 podcast
0: going need a mop.
2: when you make decisions for your company you look for the no brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer